Good morning, family. Good morning. So this morning I'm going to be talking about righteousness. Um, it's uh, one of the words that in the elders' meetings that they've discussed and, and said that they want, um, that they feel like God is actually leading us into talking about is righteousness. And so that is, uh, I will say that's what I'm going to be talking about, but uh, there's no way that you can tug on a string in the Bible at the word uh, being righteousness, being the string, and not have a whole bunch of other strings that come with it. Um, so I'm going to tell you I'm talking about righteousness, but there's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about. Surprise, that's what I always do. Um, all right, so the, the word righteous or righteousness actually shows up 536 times in the Bible, which I think is a decent amount of times. It's, it's not as many as other words, but it, that's, that's, that's a lot of words, 536 times. <coughs> um, and, and I think one of the ones that is the most impactful for me is in 2 Corinthians 5.21, where it says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so if this was an equation, this would be you equals God's righteousness. So anytime that like you suddenly equal something of God, it's really big. Like that's like that should catch our attention and be like, you become the righteousness of God. Let's just pause for a second and go, wow, that like that is crazy. We need to actually look into this 536 times worth at least. Not to mention, let's talk about unrighteousness and all of these other words that actually go with um, understanding what righteousness is. Jesus actually says, um, but that we should seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So the first thing that we're supposed to be seeking is his kingdom and his righteousness. So not only do we become the righteousness of God, but that's the first thing, like number one thing, seek after this, his kingdom and his righteousness. Like this isn't a side issue. This isn't like, hey, I think we should talk about righteousness a little bit and maybe it'll kind of weave its way into some teachings, but like righteousness, seek it first with his kingdom because you actually become his righteousness in the world. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I don't know how many of you guys sometimes go, you know, if I was only satisfied in this area, if I was satisfied, like I I feel dissatisfaction in this thing or, or whatever. And he's like, hunger and thirst for righteousness and you will find satisfaction. Like you will find the greatest satisfaction of your soul. That's what you need is actually to hunger and be thirsting for righteousness. Right after that, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So like that is what we want. Like we actually want to be in God's kingdom. And he's like, blessed are you when you actually are persecuted for doing the right thing, for actually living in the way that I've called you to live. That is great. Like, you will be satisfied and you will have my kingdom living in your life. So things that we're, we, we'll probably touch on, this is, right here is like a little side item um, that I think if you guys want to keep looking into righteousness on your own time, look at the way that the word righteous or righteousness pairs with the word justice. Look at how righteousness and light and darkness go together. So I'm just going to be tossing out some ones. You can write them down if you want to. You don't have to. Or just remember which ones kind of trip something up in you. Uh, Pay attention to the word righteousness and when the word blameless comes up. Righteousness and walking with God, walking uh, by and being led by the Spirit. These are all things that are all tied together. 
Righteousness goes with God's decrees, God's word, God's laws, God's rules, God's statutes, all of the things that God says, this is how you live, this is how you do things. This, like, righteousness is part and parcel. It is one and the same. It goes right hand in hand with righteousness and that. Righteousness goes hand in hand with faith. It goes hand in hand with works and the fruit that comes out of your life. It's trusting in God's way and it's obedience to what he has said. And that's just a few of the things. There's, I'm sure, more things that I've, I've missed, but those are, on your own time, I would say, spend some time looking into what the word righteousness is and how it pairs with these different things and understand, like, it's transitional in your life. It's, like, it's transformative in the way you actually begin to see um, how we actually live our lives. So if you would, uh, join me in prayer real quick because we have a lot to cover. Um, and realizing that as we pull on the string of righteousness, that there is a lot of things that are going to come with it. So I would ask that you'd be praying for me, um, that I'd be hearing the, the Spirit, knowing which things to be saying, um, and for your own ears, um, and just that our hearts would be softened to be able to hear him. So Father God, I just, um, I'm humbled and, and just in awe of who you are, that you, in and of yourself, that, that as you function, as you do things, you are righteous. You only do righteous works. You only do righteous things. That everything that you do is righteousness, God. And I ask that you would open our eyes, that you would, um, that you would reveal things to us of what that actually looks like in our lives, that, that as we encounter you, that we're transformed to never be the same, um, and that we, actually, that we actually can walk out of here realizing that we are, we have become the righteousness of God. So God, I ask that you would, you would uh, give me the words to speak, that you would soften our hearts, that you would open our ears, that you would open our eyes um, so that we can actually hear the things that you want to say, the things that, that we need to be seeing from you, the things that you're showing us, God, um, and that we would just be transformed by understanding who you are in a greater sense, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I want to talk about righteousness, but Paul in, in Romans 1 he wants to talk about righteousness too. Actually, 42 times he wants to talk about righteousness in Romans. But to start with, he's actually like, we got to talk about unrighteousness first. That's the, that's the, we have to understand our condition. We have to understand what we've come from to understand what righteousness is. We can't just jump in and go, hey, like this is righteousness. But we actually have to understand what we are apart from Christ. That's what we have to actually first get. So, so Paul jumps in real quick and he's like, the righteous shall live by faith, like a small little tiny paragraph. And then he goes on to this whole little section going, all right, this is unrighteousness. And he's like, I really, really, really want to talk about righteousness, a whole bunch in this, in this book, but I first have to get this out of the way. So in uh, Romans 1, chapter, uh, Romans 1, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. So when, when we decide to live unrighteously in, in the ways that aren't God's ways, we actually are suppressing the truth. We actually are suppressing him in the way that he does things. So like, realize that's pretty impactful. Like, if we're actually not living in the righteousness of God, that we are actually suppressing truth and making it smaller. In verse 28, it says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, 
faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. In that list, was there anything that you're like, I think I might have done that once or twice? So like we find ourselves there. And just in case you're not convinced that you find yourself there, let's go to Galatians 5 real quick. And it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things of the like. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You have um, in Ephesians 2, right after he says, like, this is who, like, you are the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit is now, uh, uh, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're nat- and in nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So like we all found ourselves there. That's what Paul is getting at. He, like, he wants us to know we none of us get out of this. All of us found ourselves in unrighteousness. Paul in Romans, uh, he says, no one is righteous, not a single one. So just in case, I just want to make sure that we are all convinced that we are all unrighteous apart from Christ. Jesus, in case... I just, I really want to make sure we get this point because if at some point we even think one good work is part of our, our ex, like getting salvation, being saved, we've missed it. So I really want to hammer this down that apart from Christ, we have no good works, that we are completely unrighteous apart from him. And if you don't think you are, if you do think that some of your good works will, will somehow get you there, Jesus says in, in Luke 12, 3, he said, just in case... You think something of what you've done like, is good. Everything that you've ever done in secret will be shown. So in case you, you have this feeling that, that, you're, that some of your righteousness isn't filthy rags, everything that you've ever done in secret will be shown. So now that we get this, now that we've gotten to the point where we're like, ugh, that feels really uncomfortable. I don't like sitting in unrighteousness. This is terrible. Now... Like, just like Paul is like, I really want to talk about righteousness. We have to understand, what was our condition? What were we like from the beginning? That, that God actually, he goes, hey, this is, this is you guys in the garden. I have set this whole thing up for you guys to go out and be fruitful and multiply. I want you guys to do all these things. One rule, don't eat of this one tree. That's the only thing I want you to do. I don't want you to eat of this thing. Go out and do all these great things. It's like, oh, I see this thing. I desire it. I take it. And everything falls apart. And we've done that over and over and over and over again. You have Abraham, and he's like, hey, there's been this promise that's been given to me, and I want to actually live this out. I actually want to fulfill this in my own way. So they, him, and, him and Sarah see the maid, and they're like, hey, we see her. We realize that she can actually do something for us. We desire that we can, she can fulfill this in us. So we're going to take her, and we're going to try to fulfill the promise in our own way. Doesn't work, right? You have... Um, them get out of Egypt and, and, and Aaron's like, hey, I see all this gold. I'm going to make you guys this, um, this statue. This, this, this is the God that has saved you. This, like, so he sees this. He, he makes it. They desire to actually worship this thing. 
And it's like, no, this is missing the whole point. So over and over and over again, like you have David seeing Bathsheba and going, hey, I want to take this. I want to, to have sex with this woman. And, and this is what happens is everything falls apart, like over and over and over. This is the condition of human beings when we disobey, when we don't follow the way that God has, has actually set things up. But then we have Jesus come on the scene and he actually goes, you know what? I'm not actually going to hold on to the things of heaven. Like I'm actually going to come as a human being so that you, I'm, I'm going to be what you guys were meant to be so that you guys can become what I am. Like, I am actually going to live the righteous life so that you guys can actually live in the same way that I've called you to live, that I have become, I am the righteousness of God. I am this, and you will find your life in me. So we are no longer in that unrighteousness. So, so, so Paul, you know, he's like, hey, don't live in this way. Like it, but Christ in his great mercy has said, I am pulling you out of this, out of the darkness, into this marvelous light. And uh, light um, and righteousness, I find an interesting pairing because in the Old Testament you have in Psalms 37 verse 6, um, he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. So we've got our righteousness being paired with light. But the path, and then Proverbs 4.18 says, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. That was Proverbs 13.9. And then Isaiah 42, 6 says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you a covenant for, for the people, a light to the nations. And a light to the nations, that's what, that was the whole, whole thing when, um, you know, uh, you have Abraham and, and, and Abraham trusts God and it was counted as righteousness to him because he was actually like, I'm going to believe you. You know, even though that it looks like God comes to him and starts talking to him and he's like, hey, what can I do for you? And he's like, well, there's this thing. You still haven't actually fulfilled the promise that uh, you told me that I'm supposed to have a child and I'm, I'm supposed to have great nations uh, come from me. Uh, so so Eliezer um, of Damascus, he's the one who's going to get all my possessions when this is all said and done. And, and, and God's like, no, like, I will fulfill it. I will do these things. And it says Abraham trusted God, that he actually believed that the word of God, like he is actually going, I believe your way. When you said, don't take and eat, I'm not going to take and eat in this moment right now. And I'm going to believe you right now. And I'm going to actually hold on and go, I am actually going to live in this way. And so God actually says, hey, teach your children righteousness and justice so that they can be a light to the nations. And so in that Isaiah passage, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light to the nations. This is Isaiah, God speaking through Isaiah going, what I told, what I told uh, Abraham that he would actually be a blessing to the nations, that he will actually be a light to the world is what we're actually called to be, which is why Paul goes, you've been brought out of darkness into this kingdom of light. So shine forth, like actually live this life out, actually walk out righteousness in the world. But we have to be careful not to think that like our, like our living these things are actually walking in this way. Again, like that's why I hammered on that we are not righteous in and of ourselves, that it has to be Christ, that it has to be him, has to be his work, that I think sometimes we can be like, all right, cool, I did these things, but, I, but it is it has to be his spirit leading us. It has to be him actually doing all of these things through us, which is why righteousness and being led by the spirit come hand in hand. You have, um, 
this interesting thing, I think, in um, Daniel 9, where they are in captivity. So, so let's go to Daniel 9 real quick. Verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confessions saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commands. So he actually hold, like he keeps covenant with those who keep his commands. We have sinned and have done wrongly and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from our commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. So this, like, we have sinned and have done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments. What commandments are these? That, like, was there any warning that such a thing would happen? Was there any warning that, that, that there was these commandments that they were supposed to live into? You go back to Deuteronomy. This is them actually coming out of Egypt. So they, they were in Egypt. And God's like, hey, I'm taking you out of slavery. I'm taking you out of bondage. I'm taking you out of, for us, darkness and unrighteousness. I'm going to bring you into a new world. I'm going to bring you into this new kingdom. I'm going to bring you into this new way of living. And he's like, but I actually need you guys to live in a certain way because this is actually not just my rules. I'm not just making rules for the sake of making rules. I know how humans were made to function. I know the way that a human was designed to work. Like a clockmaker, if a clockmaker is making clocks, and he's like, I'm putting every gear in just the right place. Everything that is supposed to move has just the right amount of weight. I've actually taken the time to f- like finish the face of this clock just so that the glass is the right type of glass, that the framing is just the right type of framing. I know as a clockmaker, this is the right way to make a clock. I'm not going to start tossing extra gears in just for the fun of it. I'm not going to start tossing in you know, a, a bigger gear where a smaller gear is supposed to go. I know exactly how the clock is supposed to work. And that's what God says when he makes these rules. He goes, I know exactly how humans are supposed to function, so live like this. This isn't supposed to be this this bring you down. This isn't supposed to be this, hey, let's make this hard on you. This is going, this is the way life is. This is the way that actually people were designed to function from the very beginning. Go into the darkness, actually go into these places and show them this is what true humanity looks like when it's functioning at its fullest. And so in, um, in Deuteronomy 4, um, when they're coming out, getting ready to go into that, um, that new land, Deuteronomy 4, verse 1, it says, And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God uh, of your fathers is giving you. Um, and then skip down um, to... Verse 5, it says, See, I have taught you these statutes and rules that the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of. Keep them and do them, for that will be wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all your statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? And then if you go to um, Deuteronomy 6, 
at the very end of the chapter of 6, it says, And it will be righteousness for us if we act carefully and do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us to do. So it would actually be righteousness if we actually do the things that God has commanded us to do. And so that is where Daniel finds himself going, God, we failed. We didn't do it. Like, we didn't obey and so you are righteous to actually put us in this prison, that you are actually righteous to send us off to captivity, that you are righteous to send us into exile, that we did wrong, and you are right to actually do this. But there's this strange thing with God's righteousness, that, that justice is actually paired. And justice is a strange word in the Bible because a lot of times we would think of, of justice as this retributive type of thing where like you've done something wrong, boom, punishment. But God's justice is about going, I see this poor needy person, let me help him raise them up. I see this person is hungry, bring justice is, it was bringing rightness and, and right relationship and actually it's more rehabilitative and restorative, that's God's justice. And so you get this type of different kind of justice than what we, like we think more of the punishment type of justice and God's going, no, I see something's wrong. Let me make it right. That's his justice. And so, so Daniel is going, God, you have been righteous, so very righteous to cast us into exile, to send us off, to do, to do what you did was the right thing to do because we disobeyed you. But God, in your righteousness and justice, you now see that we are in need. Would you forgive would you restore? Would you bring us back? Because that is also your righteousness, that you see the needy, that you see those who are in need of something different, that, that we have been cast down. And so in your mercy, would you come and restore us and bring us back to life? And so you have this pairing of what righteousness is, that, that we need God's righteousness, that it is actually him who actually acts and lives and moves and does all of these things. And when we disobey, we got cast into exile. But then Christ comes and he's like, I am bringing an end to this. I am bringing you out of all darkness so that my righteousness, that breastplate, that breastplate of righteousness, the first time it's mentioned isn't in Ephesians 6. It's actually mentioned in Isaiah where God's looking. He's like, I'm looking. I'm trying to find somebody righteous. No one. I can't find a single person that's righteous. And he's like, I'm going to have to use my arm. I'm going to have to come down. I'm going to put on my breastplate of righteousness and I'm going to put on my helmet of salvation and I'm going to be the one to come and save. That's chapter 59 of, of Isaiah. And the very next chapter is Isaiah 60 and it says, arise and shine for the light has come. Go and tell. Go and do these things. Like the light of God has actually come and restored. The light of God has actually come and brought us into this new life. Has actually said, hey, I'm making all things new. And so you have going forward into the New Testament. That's why Jesus is the light of the world. He's bringing this light to, to bring us out of darkness back into his righteousness. He is the word, which was his laws and his statutes. Like, I am actually wanting to be aligned with this light, with this word, that my life is actually found in him, that my life is actually one in him. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me, and that is where my righteousness is found. Are you guys tracking with everything that I'm saying? I'm trying to tie a whole bunch of pieces together to, get, to kind of get this concept of where righteousness came from in the Bible and where it kind of flows to and what it looks like for us today. Is, like, is that all making sense where it's all going and came from? Okay. So then we will go to Ephesians.
So just like um, in Ephesians when um, I read a little bit ago that like we were dead in our trespasses, like everything that we did apart from Christ was all filthy rags. He says um, in verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places. So just moments before, we were dead in our trespasses, but the mercy of God through Christ Jesus comes and he raises us up out of the filthiness, out of the rags, out of the darkness into his marvelous light and goes, you are now set here. So then go and live these things out. Go and live my righteousness. Just like we were supposed to be the light to the nations by going like, what nation is so, like what people is so righteous that they have such righteous decrees that it's wisdom, it's insight, it's knowledge, it's all of these things. Like this people is amazing because they actually live by these great rules because they're actually functioning the way God has designed, the way people were meant to be. And so Paul's going, out of his great mercy, he has actually brought you and seated you in heavenly places. He's made you one with Christ. He's made you the image of Christ. So go and live in this way. In verse 6 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, it says, And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might, be show, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. That we were created for good works that God had predestined beforehand that we should actually walk in these things. That from the very beginning, he was like, these are the good works that I have set up for them. This is how I want them to live. These are the good works that I want them to actually live and do these things. And let's go through, through the Old Testament. We've failed over and over and over again. And he's like, I have now brought you out by my mercy. And I've actually, the good works that I had planned for you to do, you can now do them because Jesus Christ, through his spirit, is now living within you. And the spirit that raised Christ from the dead now actually brings life into you. So you can actually bring life into the world. That those good works can actually come out of you. So go to uh, chapter 4 of Ephesians, uh, verse 17. Now this I say and testify to the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So like all those things that I read at the beginning of, like this is what our unrighteousness looks like, gossiping, slander, meddling with, with, with one another, doing all of these different kinds of things. It's like, oh, wow, yeah, wh- how, why? Why would we do that? That is not how Christ lived. Like so if we find ourselves like participating in gossip, if we find ourselves participating in, in some sort of backstabbing, if we find ourselves participating participating in any of these things, whether it's us or just listening or, or being involved in, no, like, we've been bought out of righteousness, or, uh, yeah, uh, by out of unrighteousness, out of the darkness, into righteousness. So don't, don't find yourselves doing these things. There's a way to live that seems right to a man, but God's way is actually the right way. So actually live in his way. Chapter 4, verse 18 They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But this is not the way that you learned Christ. 
assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Like that is, there's this thing of like, going, well, I've been saved, but it's still okay. Like, God will always forgive me, and we cheapen grace. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance, that leads us to turn, that actually leads us to go, I'm going to live in this new way. I don't want to be uh, an alloy. I don't want to be something that is a mixture of two different things. I want to be pure, right? I want to be holy and set apart. I want to be right. I want to be righteous. I want to live in his ways. I don't want to have a mixture of, well, sometimes like it's just kind of in my nature. I kind of gossip a little bit about these things and it's just, it, you know, feels good sometimes just to get this out off my chest so I, we can talk about it. Um, and it's like, no, that's, that's unrighteousness. That is, that is darkness. You've been brought out of that. You are called to live in this new way. If you start living in that way, it, it says your heart becomes calloused. If you're creating, creating dissension amongst people, your heart becomes more calloused and you get more used to it. Like callous is because it gets built up over time. Like it keeps being done and done and done and done and done. And it's like it builds this callous. And if there's a callous between our relationship with God and like us and God, and there's this callous between us and one another, we're not functioning as the body of Christ correctly. Right? Like, don't let, this, don't let this mixture be part of who we are. We have to be one in Christ. We have to live like him. We have to walk in the light of his truth, in the, in the light of his word, that we actually align ourselves with the way that he lives, in the way that his spirit is actually leading us and guiding us to actually live like this. Walk in his spirit. That is righteousness. Continuing on in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of us speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. This is getting into um, what Trisha was reading. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Don't even give him an opportunity. Like, if you see, like, I'm getting close, no, pull back. Don't even give him a foothold. Don't even give him a little handhold. Take it back and go, I'm walking righteously. I'm walking by the Spirit. I'm aligning myself with truth, and this is what God says, and I'm not even going to find myself close to that. Verse 28, let, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have, have something to share with one another in need. No, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up and fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemp- redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, all w- with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God. Like, that's the whole thing. Be imitators. Walk like he, he wants you to walk. Walk how he walked. You look at Jesus Christ, he's like, I didn't abolish the law. I actually came to fulfill it. Walk how I actually walk. The law actually shows you the way, the will of God. If you want to know the will of God, study the Old Testament. Study the way God actually says, live in this way. You'll actually learn obedience. You'll learn how to actually walk in his way so that when you actually are addressed with things that you actually have to make a decision on, you'll be like, this is God's will. I know how to function like he wants me to function because I've learned obedience and I can actually walk in the way that he would have had me walk from the very beginning. So he didn't come to abolish these laws. He came to actually fulfill them so that we can walk in them through him. So therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ Jesus loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That is the life that we've been called to live into. 
You got um, James, who's like, hey, if you want to see, um, you know, people want to see faith apart from works. He's like, no, like, faith and works go hand in hand. You can't have faith. You can't have trust. You can't believe in God. You can't, you can't, you can't live this life apart from works because it's going to change you. A tree is going to be known by its fruit, right? So, like, he's actually like, no, you actually have to, ha- like, if, if this is actually changing your heart, it's changing what comes out. There's a change on the inside so that there's a change on the outside so that the way you function, the way that you live, and the way that you do things actually comes out. So that's the whole thing of, the, like, the whole New Testament is going, walk by the Spirit. Walk in the way that God has said to walk. Have that, tra- like, that transformation of the heart, what Jesus came to do, what he actually transformed, what he actually fulfilled in the law, he's actually put into you so that you can actually live that out into the world now. You guys still all tracking with mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Amen. So at the end of Ephesians, Paul realizes just like Jesus said at the beginning, it's like, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He realizes just because there's going to be this whole um, living in this right way doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And so Paul actually makes sure that we're aware of this. At the end of Ephesians, he's like, put on the full armor of God. Put on that breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spear, all of these things. Put on these things because it's a fight. It's not against flesh and blood. Love one another. It's a fight against the rulers and principalities of the spiritual realm. That you're actually fighting against that. That when, when, the, when the enemy comes and actually speaks to you and says, hey, you know that sin that you did? Yeah, I saw that, and I'm going to bring it to your attention. The thing is, a lot of times when he actually brings stuff, it's truth. It's, it's the reality. Like, he's right. I did sin. He, he, like, that's the unfortunate thing. Is it's not like he's just—he's he, not even lying about it. He's actually telling me the truth. I'm calling you out. You sinned, and that's what's uncomfortable sometimes. Like, there's something of like before we're before we're forgiven, before we've been born again, we're like those are past sins. That's when I was living in unrighteousness. But it really hurts when we've been born again and we find ourselves living this way and we end up sinning and sinning again in another way. And he brings that to us and he's like, "Hey, I saw that." And it's like, yeah, that's actually reality. Like, that's truth. Like, you're actually telling me about a sin that I actually did. And that hurts because I I don't want to live that way. And so Jesus is like, put on my breastplate. That's the only way you get out of this. It's never going to be your works. Remember, you're unrighteous. So put that on. So when the enemy comes and says, hey, I noticed that sin. You're like, sure, I know. That was not my heart. That's not the way I was designed to be. But you have to take this up with the king because he's given me his breastplate. He actually, it's his righteousness. The, uh, I think one of the coolest things uh, in, the, in the Chinese language is the, 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 the word for righteousness is lamb over the symbol for you and me. Because the lamb is over us. And that's what it is. Like when Satan comes, when the enemy comes and, and accuses us, and he's like, hey, you did this sin. Yes, the lamb over me, though. So you're going to have to go to him. You're going to have to go to the king. And he's the one that actually paid for this. He's the one that actually has made this right. That he actually is my righteousness. So that I actually don't like, I'm not fighting to go, I'm fighting you right now. It's actually like, he's actually already fought my battle. He's already done this for me. I just have to put on his breastplate. I just have to sit, uh, like stand there, stand firm therefore, and actually hold, truth to the tr- hold true to the truth of his word. In um, 2 Peter 
chapter 1, you know, you have this whole list of um, add to your, to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, um, to your knowledge, self-control, and so, forth, so on and so forth. And it has this whole list, like this is what we're supposed to do. This is what it looks like to actually walk the, 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 the Christian life is to, to add these things, to actually um, have righteousness coming out of our lives. Um, and it actually gets to the end here and it says, um, forever, uh, for if these qualities are, are yours and are increasing, they keep you from, from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So like if these things, if we're not adding to these things, if we're not living this out, it's, we forgot. Like that's why I wanted to start with unrighteousness, so that we would remember what we've been bought out of. That, that we've been brought out of darkness into life, that we've actually, we've actually not, we're no longer in that so that way we can add all these things together. Like if we are adding all these things together, we're actually living a fruitful life, that we're actually doing these things. If you're not, it's because you've forgotten. You've forgotten what you've been brought out of and into. So righteousness in its basic heart is is aligning our lives with the work of God. That that, like, that that is what our righteousness is, is aligning our life with his work, letting that transform what comes on the inside so that it actually comes out of us on the outside. And as that happens, we actually fulfill what was called from the very beginning, that we'd be obedient to the will of God, that we'd actually be obedient to the things that he says, that we would actually, as we do these things, we become a blessing to the nations, we become light to all people, and they can actually pick from the fruit of our tree, that we are that tree planted by streams of living water, that we bear fruit in every season. So as we're actually obeying and as we're actually doing these things, we find ourselves living righteously, that we are fruitful, in the light of Christ and that we are rising and shining because our light has come. And so, like, we have works that have already been predestined for us to walk into Ephesians 2. So live in that life. That's the whole thought process of what, like, this is where righteousness is going. This is what it's come from. This is how it actually develops through the Bible. Um, so hopefully you guys found this helpful just to kind of get the concept, the whole overarching concept of wh- how righteousness works in the Bible. Um, if you guys have any questions, feel free to talk to me. There's so many other different elements and like, all, like I said, all those words at the very beginning, um, those all pair with righteousness in different ways um, and actually and help illuminate um, different elements of how righteousness is and what it looks like and how it actually func- functions in our lives. So if you would, just join me in prayer um, just to end here. Father God, I just thank you for your righteousness, that it isn't my work. It's not even, um, it's not like all my work is filthy rags apart from you, that you, God, have been gracious, that you have brought me out of, out of darkness, that by your mercy, that you've pulled me out of the muck and mire of this world, and that you've actually set me in heavenly places, that you set all of us in heavenly places, that you've, you've actually restored us to the way that you've actually called us to live from the very beginning, that we would be your image bearers, that we would actually um, represent, that we would live like you, that we'd be imitators of you, God, into the world. And by actually doing that, that our lives would be fruitful and they would multiply, that we'd bring your kingdom into this world and that life and peace and righteousness in the Holy Spirit, that life and joy and righteousness in the Holy Spirit, that that would actually be what comes out of us is your spirit, God. In Jesus' name, amen.